Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 454, and today we'll be talking about King's Tide from the Owl House. I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm David. So David, how does it feel to have the full <laughs> picture of oh, the Owl House? Oh my god, I mean, what, has it been, it feels like it's been years. Well, this episode did come out about a year ago. A year ago, yeah. Yes, it, I can't even remember when the ridiculous branch happened where I was just completely disconnected from the actual airing order of this show. But uh, it, it feels great to finally conclude that saga and get some really important final pieces seen, you know? I I, I miss Bellis even more already, or as he clarifies to Luce, I should really just be calling him Philip from now on. He is such an awesome villain, and I think this episode actually really cemented that for me. It's like, Top legendary, un- unfulfilled <laughs> villain characters in cartoons of uh, the Millennium. Man, I wish I could see even more of his story because he's just so he's a freaking, great yeah, so calm and resolved, and all the the choices he makes without visual facial changes is amazing, right? He's like, "Lose, let's go home, home, lose. Let me murder you to put you to rest." <laughs> like, it just that can happen sentence to sentence. The only time he really expressed anything other than determination uh, in this episode was, you know, seeing the collector become free. And, oh boy, that was an amazing scene, too. Not even yeah. really getting to see his reaction to being uh, splatted, uh, which it'd almost be amazing if that was just permanent right then and there. But, uh, you know, it's fine. There weren't enough episodes to really uh, establish the <laughs> the collector as some whole other thing. We really needed some more Philip time anyway. So, you know, I'm glad that a yeah. little bit of goop dropped on Hunter's shoulder. I like the I like the Bellos death we ended up with. Yeah, it was a good death. So cathartic. <laughs> Definitely will be one of the like three things the show is probably most remembered for is like that specific scene. Top 10 anime deaths. Yes. <laughs> so, summary of the episode is basically the day of unity happens. It starts out with uh, Bellos like, oh, I changed the seating arrangements for the coven heads. It's okay. Then when the draining spell starts to sputter because of Ida's curse, they're like, yeah, I thought so. And they swap in the real rain for Ida. And then, well, stuff starts getting real, real bad. The Hex Squad is fighting with Bellos after he's um, been skirmishing with Luz. She uh, actually manages to brand him with a coven mark through uh, her own guile, as she is not strong enough to fight him. He's just basically backhanding her like she's a child, and he's a man who spent hundreds of years learning how to fight with his magic. Go figure. But the kids are not able to subdue Bellos, and as Kikimura says, he wouldn't be able to stop the draining spell even if he wanted to save his life. And so Hunter lets the Collector out, the Collector splats Bellos, does a Toon Perspective trick to stop the Eclipse that's powering the Draining Spell, and then the Hex Squad manages to escape to Earth, although Luz does not want to go. King has to force her to go while the Collector is collecting him, but not as a puppet. Yeah, Luz was holding the door together long enough for everybody else to get through. But yeah, King blasts her through. The, the girl literally cannot stop sacrificing herself to save her life. 
<laughs> yeah, that's the whole point. She's trying not to save her life. But it was really cool because we saw, you know, this is very much an expedited finale because they were expecting to have a whole nother season to end the Boiling Isles arc and then another season just for being in the human realm. And, you know, of course, we didn't get that. But even expedited, they did a really good job of, like, keeping the pace and the tone consistent. Like, the way that they established the Collector as being absolutely terrifying, great, perfect. Mm -hmm. Absolutely felt everybody else's fear. The facial expressions on the Hex Squad, so good. Yeah, just the complete silence where they're just, like, staring at him deer in headlights, like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely, because I mean, like, Luce, they all knew who the Collector was. They'd kind of um extrapolated, you know, and, and they had, they've been exposed to it before, but none of them knew what he was. They just knew he was extremely powerful and was sealed away for King's protection. So now that he's free, it's like, oh, no. But the, the tone of it was excellent. Yeah, it, like, once you get the, the sort of it's not really a theme the collector has but the like i don't know if i can remember any melody to the song but just Child the like song music. he has yeah with him in oh, contrast no, no, to no, seeing no 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 it sounds yes. like a, almost a a siren it's very spinelli almost when spinel gets introduced is kind of how it reminded me except here it's much darker oh they would be so much fun together uh, honestly, I mean, Spinel is basically perfect built for someone like the Collector, if you think about it. Yeah, he can just stretch her, pin her, squish her, throw her against walls, and she's <laughs> like, again! Yes! Very, very due for some fan art, if it doesn't exist. And, as long as he doesn't damage her gem, he can fix her. Mostly by letting her reform. Oh man, don't even get me on the brain track of, like, who would win, the Diamonds or the Collector? <laughs> well, actually, I just had this conversation with the friend I was watching Chira with. <laughs> Definitely and I was like, the Collector. Who would win the Diamond Authority, like the Gem Empire or the Horde Empire from Shira in an all-out war, okay. as they were in their peak power in the show? Now we're talking about the universe-spanding. We this could be a whole episode, so I'm just putting it out there yes, as we like should, an idea. We should. Uh, okay. We're getting close to another uh, anniversary, and by close, I mean probably still a year out. But we should definitely do. I mean, they do, do happen every year. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure we can find an anniversary of something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Join us for Amphibia and maybe the Harley Quinn show. Uh, speaking of Amphibia, did you guys like the Amphibia reference in the end there? The story Camilla was reading <sighs> on her little iPad there? Yeah, the Amphibia, Gravity Falls, and the Owl House all kind of like to reference each other. Yes, and it just makes me want it to be like more real. Like, give me some... But it can't be, because these stories are already complete, and there's no real thing that could happen between them. I love the connective tissue... Disney made an entire trilogy of bad Star Wars fan fiction. So if they can do that, they can give us a mini series of bad Amphibia Owl House Gravity Falls fan fiction. And Rick and Morty. Don't ever forget that Rick and Morty oh. is technically directly connected to the Owl House. <laughs> oh, to, yes, be, through Gravity Falls. But I mean, it is like, Falls, yes. it's like kind of canon that Grunkle Stan's ex-wife is Ida. Marilyn, yeah. Marilyn. It's amazing. <laughs> That's what he knows her as. That or Ida picked a human name off of a very inspirational woman who who happened to be Stan's ex-wife. 
<laughs> Maybe. I don't think he's that old. <laughs> he and Ida are around the same age. Late 40s. No, I can't think of any famous Marylands that um, are his age. Let's put it that way. Well, lots of people can be named Marilyn, GC. Not all Marylands know each other, GC. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they got tied that way, like directly. And I mean, it would be really funny if the human realm did have like weird dimensional magic that, you know, ties it to the Gravity Falls weird area. But they're on the other side of the country, so they just don't know about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whenever you open the There Are Other Dimensions can of worms, anything could be canon. I mean, yep. and it's already true that all of these universes are fictional universes within our universe, and really the multiverses already exist. All, so. all fiction ever. Same universe. Dracula, Frankenstein, same universe. <laughs> yes. Steven Universe and Shira, same universe. All of it. All fiction ever exists in the same human Steven continuity. Steven and Adora would be such besties. Yes. <laughs> yes to both of those ideas. Well, we did make them fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are kind of monsters. <laughs> All very true. A uh, really brief note, still on the idea of like the collector's power related to this. I do like how in this finale... The two things he does, like moving the moon and then starting to reshape the castle, those are those are really cool indications of like power. And I I feel like maybe I was too prepared for it when in season three we actually see he, how he reshaped the world and like deals with the puppets and everything because it it's such a cool power. Like I've always fantasized about a fantasy character who can just literally do anything. Like just is god in a very direct way and you just visually explore that it's just interesting and cool so i like that they did that he moved the moon like it was nothing <laughs> yeah i like that they started with the strongest possible idea which is just manipulating celestial bodies just on will that's gonna throw all of their calendars off <laughs> i mean it, it it's just really cool i wish we could spend more time with this guy it will confuse astronomers in future generations, yeah. Yeah, they're going to have to, like, recalculate when all of the eclipses are going to happen, because now they're, like, five seconds off, or five minutes off, or something like that. But yes, he does also just, like, stop Belos's like, hand scythe midair with two fingers, and then flicks him into a wall at just insane <laughs> speed. So yes, he is quite powerful in a very scary way. He should have finished the job with Bellows, but you know, you can't have them all. Yeah. And also, like, can we talk about what a giant nerd Bellows is? Like, he kept his old outfit. And also, Witch Hunter General. Okay, so yes, I like I it. I want to discuss that briefly. Because, yeah, he isn't just committed to the idea of, you know, wiping out the Boiling Isles, which, as we've already talked about, is a hilarious idea, because what, does that even represent 1% of the population of this planet? Like, how impactful is it to wipe out the witches here? But uh, it, he really is, he still cares about just the status of it. That's what he's been hanging on to for hundreds of years. I thought his mind had just been warped beyond all sensibility to just focus on killing. But no, it's even to have a goofy title. Because of course. <laughs> the man is well established to be very petty and into those title things. Because it was like the witch trials in the United States were only, it was only like through the span of about one century. 
in only a spattering of colonies. And yeah, there were witch trials in Europe, but I don't think that the, the era lines up. I think one happened before the other. They don't overlap that much. But like, did he really expect the entire rest of the planet to give what's a good phrase that's kid appropriate two hoots <laughs> to give a monkey's uncle about like what's going on like they're, they're just hanging random women because you know <laughs> they had a, a mental breakdown I, i'm sorry i'm sorry soren we drown <laughs> them thank you we're not savages i wonder if they ever actually managed in the owl house universe to hang or burn or whatever any of real witches from the demon realm or were they just getting humans the entire time because the witches could like very easily defend themselves if we're being real here yeah if if you if you're an angry mob first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna go pick on someone who can't turn you all into burning humans yeah and i mean they're already picking the because they can't even pick the anyone with influence in society they're only picking on the like disenfranchised and downtrodden right it's like the people of color the people with disabilities women like those were the ones that got accused of being a witch you're not going to accuse the like mayor's son of being a witch because you're going to get backlash for that but nobody's going to defend the disenfranchised but the regular the witches from the demon realm first of all they can just leave right they're not (laughs) kept there forcibly through like socioeconomic systems like they could just be like you know what? You suck. Bye. And then go back through the portal. Yeah, and I wonder, like, if there were other portals that were influencing. Because, I mean, what about Europe? What influenced their witch trials? What influenced the other colonies' witch trials? You know what I want to know, though? I want to know... Bellos told people like Odalia, people like the Covenheads, that, oh yeah, after I wipe out all the hoi polloi, you're going to live like royalty. And who will be your subjects? Answer me that. Exactly. Who is going to be serving you exactly? What is the benefit of killing all the people who have agreed to give you a large portion of their labor for nothing? Maybe he. Maybe they don't think it's going to kill them. Maybe he didn't tell them yeah. it was going to kill them. It was going to like enslave them or something. Hmm. And make them permanently subservient. Yeah, it seems like they were just very deluded. <laughs> Like, and I'm surprised, honestly, that they were so power hungry that they just really ignored all the signs. Oh, you meant (laughs) the other definition of deluded. I thought you meant like put in water. Oh, right. No. Yeah. No, with a a D, not a T. Yes. Not diluted. Uh, Deluded. Yeah. It's funny, too, because actually most of the other uh, coven heads that we don't know are the ones supporting Velos. I love their designs, but oh my gosh, I wish that I knew more about them. <laughs> yes, they were actually they wanted to make more stuff about each Covenhead. They were planning on going into detail on each one, and it was one of the things that was cut for time. Tragedy. Yeah. It's just to my knowledge, there's only two evil ones that we know well, right? Like mm-hmm. the cat and the flower. And that's it. <laughs> the cat's not evil. No, he's talking about Adrian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who will not be taking constructive criticism at this time. No notes. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he hasn't been sleeping very well since the Hexide incident. <laughs> yeah, what a, a massive embarrassment, I guess. He looks... <laughs> Haggard. Yes, exactly. Very rugged. 
Now, uh, there is a disagreement that Soren and I have about this episode. Soren, I know you think that the ripping off of Ida's arm was an unnecessary sacrifice, but after rewatching the episode, I, I want to ask you, are you sure about that? Because there was like at yeah. least a minute after her arm got ripped off and like that curse just decided it was ready to go. It's like, it is time to consume your body now, Ida. Yeah, I'm thinking, kind of looking back on it, obviously, like, we don't know, but it, it could have been the case that even if the draining spell had stopped, the curse was already wreaking its damage on Ida's body, and it would have caused more damage had her arm not been so graciously amputated by rain. She doesn't seem to miss it much, to be honest. Eh, she's probably learned <laughs> to live without the arm. Yeah, it's funny too. I mean, she rips off her arm lots of times. When but... your limbs separate easily, you have lots of time to practice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she telegraphs that it's going to happen, you know, just one more time at the start of the episode too. So <laughs> that's, I, I, I like that kind of symmetry. Now, I have a question you just made me think of. If the coven mark had been uh, permanent, but she had somehow lost the curse and got her magic back, would she have been able to remove the limb with the covenant? The curse mark? allows her to remove her limbs, so she would have to have regained her magic but kept the curse. And Sombra deciding this is the best time to be bonking against my microphone. <laughs> Hi, he's like, oh, I see you're talking into this weird black object. That's what I mean. If we could roll back the curse, so this was season one, Ida. Yeah, maybe. Maybe she, like, puts her arm in a chest at home and just <laughs> casts her magic with her right hand only oh that would have been that would be cool did she ever demonstrate being able to feel through the arm when it wasn't connected to her because then i would think there's a magical metaphysical connection constantly there is because her head can talk while her while it's separated from her lungs and remember her feet walked without her her feet walked without her so yeah i think it would still affect her there'd still be tendrils of influence but the coven mark isn't having the uh draining spell go through her when it's removed from her which is why i ask the coven mark seems to operate under different rules the coven mark disintegrates with her entire arm Mm -hmm. so that's how she loses it 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 just it just seems like the the two are treated like if she got branded and then put her arm in a blender you know and severed the connection for good then maybe yes. Uh, yeah, that might actually work for everyone, because I think the mark isn't just a representation of a s- magical s- state of their body. It's like a literal device that exists right there on their wrist that can be dismantled. I don't know exactly what process they were using at the conclusion of season three, but I, I think that they were not just it was undoing like healing magic. a magic spell. Yeah, like I, they were physically removing it. They were channeling healing magic with probably some... Uh... Serious tech. Yeah, there was quite a few multi-coven disciplines working on that project. Thank goodness for Princey B and his multi-tracks, am I right? <laughs> Much better than Bellows converting B. to good and then being like, oh, here's the schematics I made one time to reverse them. <laughs> so I, guess. I don't think he cared <laughs> yeah. to ever develop it. Some villains just want a little bit more than a hug. Well, it's a shame that he didn't come up with those schematics, because then Luce branded him, and he was mm-hmm. so out of luck. That was very cool. I, I enjoyed that deceit. Uh, Luz definitely couldn't have otherwise held herself in battle, and I really liked her terror. I mean, I didn't want her to her be scar. terrorized. 
but just like well as she was being um uh, not petrified but whatever it's called when you turn to stone petrified oh is it petrified yeah. somehow yes. it just sounded very woody to me anyway i i liked how intense that was and the way that she tried to bargain with him and meanwhile she managed to you know hide that glove yeah like <laughs> absolutely pulled a one two on him very clever they had and she she does quite a few really clever tricks she's she's a trickster she's got tricks up her sleeve she did one in the last episode too with the <laughs> the switcheroo with, with hunter the, yeah with gus um do we see because i was sifting through the episode do we actually see loose get her eyebrow scar or it's just assumed she got it in the fight with bellows i can't remember i feel like i've looked for this before yeah i definitely don't recall it <laughs> having watched it just you know 20 minutes ago yeah it's like she doesn't have it in the beginning of the fight when her friends first get there she never really gets knocked in the face either like it's not that physical of a fight yeah, it's mostly him dispelling her attacks and then backhanding her and then deciding, okay, I'm done fighting you now. So when Luce and Willow are pinning him down with plants and Gus uses the illusion torment on him, which I would have loved to see how that would have panned out over time. Him just like psychologically tormenting Bellos mm -hmm. for a few minutes. I think Bellos is one of those people who it would take like a Ghost Rider level you know, feel your sins. Like, you're not just going to show him the bad things he's done and him feel bad. Like, you have to actually burn him with it. Yeah, he <laughs> knows. Not not based on the number of freaking golden guard skulls yeah, at the bottom of the bridge. Cow. Like, I thought we'd already seen a different room with a bunch of skeletons. So, like, now there's how even the hell more. He hasn't even been in the Boiling Isles that long. Like, did he have a year where he was just rotating through them every few days? Did no well, one know? Well, I think they don't. <laughs> Here's the thing. Yeah, they don't live very long. Like, these but, the, these golden guards don't, I mean, don't make it. Was there a hundred skeletons? Like, how many helmets? Like, they drew a lot. I thought the dude's only been here for a few hundred years. 400 years. So, if he's making them every 20 years, that's five a year. That's five a century. So, 20 golden guards? I think there's more than that. Uh, yeah. yes. In this one area alone. Okay, let me see if I can get a big shot and then actually just, like, straight up count them. Yeah, okay, so here, just one little corner. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So just in this, so I would say there's easily about 50 golden guards here. <laughs> yes. I, the darkness that that represents is so strong, and I think that's the one place where I wish Owl House had either more room or something. He doesn't even bury the bastards. He just throws them in a pit. I, I, yeah, like, it's just so fundamentally darker than, like, like, the show presents lots of dark, dark ideas, but ultimately, between the the way that the musical cues work and the optimism of the characters and the sometimes softness of the dialogue, like, it's just amazing that both exist in the same show. It, it definitely does something different than the way that, you know, Steven Universe had dark themes. Like, Steven Universe did not have this much murder in it, but the way that, like, <laughs> the music operated and the way that some of the details remained in the background for so long, it, it just created a different atmosphere. Whereas here, I'm just like, feel like I'm just being smacked around. <laughs> like, you know, here's... You know, fun fun times at, at high school, and then also look at the death everywhere. 
Look at this abominable creature that this human has become. And there's really no time to think about it because we have to rush to the end because Disney's canceling this thing immediately. It's, yes. it's, it's just so much to take in. And kudos to them for putting it all there. <laughs> yeah, here's my spitballing on how he could have had so many golden cards. I think originally he was overlapping them. <laughs> Like, multiple <laughs> generations at a time, right? Oh so, like, every five years, he has a new Golden Guard. But the thing is, is that they started betraying him together, and he was like, okay, enough, and only had, like, one at a time. So that's mm. why, that's why he didn't want to make another Grimwalker until he was done with Hunter, because he didn't want Hunter coming back and getting the new Grimwalker to betray him. Uh, fair enough. And I'll also throw in that some of them can be failures, just whatever. Some of the bodies are just going to be waste. Some of them don't turn out great. So between that. But to the point of him getting them a mask. Ooh. Well, see, now you have to do the work of counting how many masks line up to how many skulls in the. I'd in say the it's about too. the same. Okay. They, there looks to be about the same. And this the biggest shot I can find of all of them. There's about 20 complete masks. And then there's about 10 in each side. So I could say there's 40 to 50 golden guards in that pile. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just imagined that the masks grew with them, which is definitely not true. Um, <laughs> also, there's just something horrifying about imagining these naked clones growing out of the dirt and also dying and decaying when they fail. Right. Like not every I don't know if every golden guard died in uniform, but I don't know why he doesn't like take the uniform and then discard the body because like the mask is still good. I don't know. <laughs> it's tainted with their failure. Yeah, a couple of them got petrified, so I wonder where they ended up. Maybe there's even more that we don't know about. Bellows sure knows how to use them. <laughs> yeah, a couple um, little details. We learned how Amity got her nickname, Mittens. <laughs> a, a little too, <laughs> can I mention, um, on the nose. <laughs> like, yeah, that's cute. Like, it's cute he gave her mittens, but she made sure to, you know, like, nod and wink at the camera almost, which is fine because I, I, I you know, it's adorable. I, I like how oblivious it made her look because it's like, well, you know, she and Luz had that whole thing going on and both of them were kind of dorks about it. So, yeah, I can see her not knowing why he gave her that nickname. Yeah, I mean, it could be that she was given to them very young and then didn't put two and two together and then forgot about the mittens. Mm -hmm. But obviously her older siblings remember her being called mittens. But yeah, it's a very sweet reminder too that her dad has, you know, been there for a long time and been affectionate for her for a long time and was just caught up in his work. I do think that, you know, he he's kind of uh, self-loathing a little bit. You know, he's he's frustrated by how well he's made <laughs> the... Uh, the, the monsters, you know, function and be able to aim and shoot down his ship. Curses! Why am I so amazing? Yeah, like, it it was a lot more light than, say, watching, um, well, of course, GC hasn't seen Korra, but watching Asami's father in The Legend of Korra go from being the evil dad that, you know, was supporting a horrible thing to, like, genuinely having to... getting having squashed to... like a bug. Well, yes, a sacrifice he was willing to make. But, um... You know, I, I don't know, like, dealing with the consequences of participating in in a war effort longer, you know? It's just kind of, uh, to me, uh, it, it, I don't know. Like, I would like to dig deeper into this character, you know? What made him go along with this for so long? What were, how did he, you know, justify it? Uh, how, you know, absent really was he from his kids' lives? Uh, you know, just being tucked away, doing sciencey things for so long? You know, I want to explore that more, and it just feels like this is a very quick way of 
summarizing it. It's just like, yep, he definitely regrets it. And oh yeah, he's always been there for his kids. And you know, that's, that's all the time that we have to say anything on that. Yeah. And you know, it's okay. Yeah. And I mean, he tried and he saw the, the error, I suppose. He saw the signs. Um, and then another thing is, was really funny. Bello saying the Titan himself didn't want me to have that knowledge about the magic of the islands. And then, yep. <laughs> Turns out he was right. That was exactly correct. I wonder how the Titan was able to kind of send this stuff to lose, but hide it from Bellos. Ooh. If only we had just a flashback of that happening. Yeah. I mean, clarify for me. How did Bellos actually collaborate with the Titan at all? Like, why he would didn't. the Titan even give an inch? Like, yeah, no. So, okay, it's just... Like, he's near the heart, but he's just saying that the Titan somehow had influence over how much he was able to learn just during his presence on the island. Okay. Yeah, it slowed him down a lot. The Titan showed Luz, like, here, I'm going to show in the sky the pattern for the ice cliff. Whereas Mm -hmm. for Philip, he had to really, really work to find this stuff. No, pattern in the sky was the light glyph, ice glyph was in the snowflake. Right. But yes, she learns, look at the island, you'll see. So he's doing something to show her. Yeah, she says magic is a gift from the Titan. And that was actually very literal. Very literal. <laughs> I mean, I guess technically it's a language of his, but he is gifting uh, this one to her. <laughs> yeah, every scrap of dialogue from, from Bellos is very valuable, though, because it both you know gives us those quick story and lore explanations, right, about how the Titan has been you know, influencing the things all along the way or lose, you know, she may not be a chosen one, but she certainly was, she's different from Bellos, right? And that has an importance, right? Fate doesn't have to play as much of a role as just literally like who you are and what you choose to do in the world. That's nice. Uh, it's also good to just have, you know, reveal that Philip is just truly ob- oblivious to what's going on as far as like, yeah, you definitely are the bad guy, bro. <laughs> you know, like, quit, get, give it a rest. Like, yes, the gods of this world all hate you. Everyone hates you. <laughs> That's okay. They're false gods anyway. He doesn't care of, what they think. Of course, of course. Um, if anything, them hating him would be considered a badge of honor for him. Yeah, he definitely does not give a... <laughs> More alternatives to this Yeah, phrase. a flying, a flying... What's, what's a good flying something that's kid appropriate a flying fart he does not give a flying fart about what other people think of him anyway guys that's it for us on king's tide join us next week until then i'm gc13 ha get it tears of the kingdom tears of the king's tide i'm soren and i am not a good transition from that i'm david (laughs) (laughs) leave us a comment email or review later everybody Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. Uh, make sure you look at the, the number one Tumblr post about The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, if you can, <laughs> look at that in the, in the week that this podcast airs. They have all uh, airs, seen hopefully. it. I guarantee you everybody has seen it. Just please please look at that. Uh, it, I don't have to explain what Go it to is. Tumblr, search Tears of the Kingdom. I just searched T-O-T-K. 
and then and then filter by this week video and you will find it everybody but you've already seen it literally the entire internet has seen it it came out like four hours after the game was sold like it's it's very good we were talking about it before we even hit record and i guess david just really wanted to share that with you Yes, and I also just want to excuse if it seemed like we were lost or aimless at any point in this podcast. It was definitely because we were all just rewatching that. So, uh, you know, forgive us, I guess. 